Lord, uh, we pray that uh, you would have your will and your way here tonight. Lord, you speak forth your word by your spirit uh, in power and in clarity. And Lord, that uh, you would give conviction and comfort, whatever we need. Uh, Lord, that you would provide and we would be uh, listening with our ears and our hearts, applying what you give us. And we ask these things in your name. Amen. You've probably all heard it said, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. You've probably seen the road signs when driving, uh, in some states you'll see these road signs, they'll say, arrive alive. You ever seen these? Especially through uh, work zones and things like that. On the road of life, God definitely wants us to finish our course. He wants to help us to avoid the pitfalls meant to hurt, derail, and destroy us. He desire, his desire is not only that we would arrive spiritually alive for eternity in heaven, but that we would be revived and kept in his hand throughout this path of life. How, how many think you need to be revived more than once in life? So you, you continually need God to keep us in his hands because we're prone to getting out or trying to get out or falling out. Now, God, he offers love and he offers life. Satan, he offers lust, and he offers death. If you were here last week, we talked about the fact that lust always, always, always lies. Lust is always a lie. Frederick Buchner said, lust is the craving for salt of a man that is dying of thirst. The, the mind is deceived in wanting the very thing that would actually dehydrate even faster and bring death that much faster. Lust can completely fool us. The original meaning of lust, by the way, uh, it meant strong desire, which isn't always wrong. If you have a strong desire to get a drink of water, that's not a sin. There's a lot of strong, strong desire. So originally the meaning didn't always have a sin connotation. Strong desire can be for good things. But when there's a strong desire for things that either God forbids or that take us away from God, well, that's always wrong. And that is essentially the basic meaning of lust as we know it today. Lust today is thought of that it's those things that are forbidden and those things that do take us away from God. The lust of our eyes... And the desires of our own flesh, well, they're the biggest enemies that we have along our earthly journey. But even though we have lust as an enemy, even though we have the enemy that would use lust to drag us down, we have God's grace. And God's grace and the promise of his spirit is greater than the magnetic force of lust. But the choice is ours. We can either stay safely in God's hand, safely on his path, or we can be corrected by him, which can be very painful, or worse than that, judged by him at the end of the age. The choice is ours. If you're taking notes, uh, we've titled our time in God's Word tonight, The End State of Lust, The End State of of lust, because the end state does not look what, like what Satan sells. The end state doesn't look like what we 
uh, in our humanity might think with our mind without God saying, no, 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 your mind and your heart are wicked. This is what really will happen. This is really what could come of these things. Now, there is, um, there is another way of looking at this text. We're going to look at it tonight through the lens of uh, the actual attractions and the actual things that pull people away from the Lord, uh, not only from the sexual perspective, although we certainly will touch on that because that is a big, big problem uh, when you think about the word lust. Uh, but when you think about the immoral woman and the harlot that's, uh, that's portrayed in here, you could teach this entire chapter, and it certainly uh, also fits. Uh, you could teach this entire section from the standpoint of the allure of false religion, right? Thinking about those terms, you know, in the, in the book of Revelation, Mystery Babylon, the great harlot that has actually corrupted the whole world. This is the false religious system. Uh, so God compares the false religious system uh, of the world to a harlot, uh, that it actually seduces people away from the purity of the gospel into a false gospel. So that, uh, if you look at this text from that standpoint, uh, it really fits well uh, with things that you see uh, in the book of Revelation, the fact that there really will be, uh, there's, a, there's a seduction coming uh, to the church that's even far greater than anything we've ever seen. And we're seeing some of it today. I mean, people actually are following after things that are, or, or there's elements within the church, if you will, that are using the Bible, but they're actually seducing people into a lust for more money, into a lust of just acquiring things, uh, that God wants to make you just wealthy and have anything and everything you could possibly want. Well, that is spiritual harlotry. So you could look at the text uh, from that perspective, and that certainly is uh, applicable. But we're looking at it uh, a little more of a narrow lens uh, as it relates to daily living. What, what was Solomon looking at this one individual, this one man that he spots that's heading down this path? And so we want to look at that uh, from the standpoint of what are the things that would attract today in our society, and really uh, they do run the gamut. I want to start off, if you're taking notes, um, I have a title for this first section if you're taking notes. We'll look at four things. I don't know if we'll get to all four tonight, and then I've got some sub, uh, sub points uh, that, you can, that you can jot down uh, as we go. But uh, the first one, starting in verses uh, 1 through 5, if you wanted to kind of uh, title verses 1 through 5, I call that on the path, on the path. In Psalm 18, 36, uh, the psalmist writes, you enlarged my path under me, so my feet did not slip. Isn't that good that God would actually enlarge the path under us, that our foot, feet would not slip? We're not skilled enough to never slip. The righteous man may fall seven times. But God actually is there to keep us. If, we, if our hearts are saying, Lord, I want to stay on this path, he will keep us on that path. In Psalm 23.3, you, you've all heard the 23rd Psalm. Many of you could probably quote the whole 23rd Psalm. But I love the part that says, he leads me in paths of righteousness 
God's desire is to lead us in paths of righteousness. Now, you know Satan's desire is to lead you down a path, but it's definitely not a path of righteousness. For his what? For his name's sake. The reason God leads us in a path of righteousness is not just that we would actually live a great life, but that he would get the glory for it, that he would be honored and glorified. But we have to willingly walk that path of life because Satan offers a different path of death. We have to be willing and desiring to walk that path of life. James 4.17 says, Therefore to him who knows to do good and does not do it, it is sin. We can know what to do, but we still have to choose what to do. Say, Lord, you've told me what to do, and I want to do exactly what you've said. If we've given our lives to Jesus, we now know what to do. We know what is good in his eyes, what is honorable and pleasing to him. These things, his commands, we must now do and continue to do in obedience to Christ. Look at verse 1. My son, keep my words. Now that phrase right there, you could say that could come directly from the mouth of Jesus. Think about Jesus saying this to anyone here. My son or daughter, keep my words. Come directly from Christ. But we're not just to obey and do the commands of the Lord. Look at the rest of verse 1. And treasure my commands. We're not just to obey them, but to treasure them. To take delight in them. To make pleasing God and honoring God the central focus of our life. And that's, that's something we have to say, Lord, I know this is what you want, so I want to make pleasing you the central focus of my life. Look what it says in verse 2. Keep my commands and live. Well, that's a good benefit. And my laws is the apple of your eye. The apple of your eye. An apple is used here because something sweet like an apple is attractive to our taste buds. Most people like an apple. They didn't have a lot of, by the way, really good desserts back in Bible times. So, you know, fruit. Hey, what do you got for dessert? Fruit. Or something made with fruit. You said like raisin cakes are mentioned in the, in the Old Testament. And you won't see like, can I have a cheesecake? You know, something like that. That's, you're not going to see that kind of stuff. So things that were honey, apples, things that were the apple and the honey, all those things, those are the kind of things that were everyone universally re- agreed that those were sweet to the taste. God wants us to know the laws and commandments of Christ are genuinely sweet. They're really sweet. I mean, the world looks at them as if they're sour, but they're not. They're good for us. God's laws are good for us. They're better for us than apples, and apples have a lot of vitamins in them, but God's laws that come through Christ are more than vitamin rich. They're spiritually rich, and they're life-giving from the very throne and spirit of God. Understand that our flesh will never be attracted to the words and commands of God. I want to say that again, just so you know. I, I'm talking to saved people when I say this. There is a, you're saved if you have asked the Lord to be your Lord and Savior. You confess with your mouth. You believe in your heart. And you truly knew that the Holy Spirit had came in. And you have been changed. You, you haven't gone back to your old ways. 
but you still have that flesh in you that you know, why does that still attract me? Why do I want to say this to that person? Why does this want to come out of my mouth? Now, hopefully the Holy Spirit keeps you from doing those things, but you still in your mind say, but I want to. Understand that our flesh will never be attracted to the word and commandments of God. In Galatians 5.17, and we're going to get to the fifth chapter uh, probably in just several weeks from now. Galatians 5.17, if you're coming on Sunday mornings, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit lusts against the flesh. These are contrary to one another. Now, again, you can see the word lust means desire there, right? Strong desire because the, the, the flesh has a strong desire to defeat the spirit, and the spirit has a strong desire to defeat the flesh. But the fact is they will both war in us until we get to heaven, and then you'll never have to battle the flesh ever again. Well, that'd be great. You'll never even have to battle a sin or temptation ever again. It won't even cross your mind. But until that day, our flesh won't naturally be attracted to the words and commandments of God. Our flesh will always prefer anything and everything else. Our flesh will prefer it. That's why you've got to be able to discern, is that my flesh talking? And not just the things that Bible call, the Bible calls sin. We understand the things that God calls sin. But also the things that keep us from filling, fulfilling the commands of Christ in our life. This is why it's so hard to stop and pray when you know you should. And you know the Holy Spirit is telling you to stop and pray, and you still don't. An hour later, you've piddled around with eight other things, right? Our flesh has no aversion to TV. Comes easy. Our flesh has no aversion to entertainment. Our flesh has no aversion to music. Has no aversion to sporting events, home projects, tailgating, exercise, YouTube binges. Facebook, smartphones, fishing, gardening, shopping, Little League, cooking, baking, watching cooking and baking shows, camping, (laughs) golfing, yard sailing, fishing, manicures, pedicures, traveling, more work hours, more study for education, magazines, books, Kindles, iPads, Xbox, and the list is nearly endless. Right? Our flesh does not have to say, man, I wish I could get into that stuff. Somewhere in the list, your flesh will like something in that list, or if I didn't read a long enough list, there's something there. But our flesh is naturally... Those, aren't, those things aren't sins in and of themselves, but they keep us, or they can keep us, away from the Lord. Meanwhile, Jesus says, so all these things that, that our flesh is naturally attracted to that have no eternal value. I mean, we, they, they have none, no eternal value. They're not sins. It's okay, to ha- it's okay to sit down and read the Kindle for an hour. That's okay. But if you can never find time to do the things that Jesus is asking you to do, then that's a problem, right? Meanwhile, Jesus says, the fields are ready. People are out there ready to get saved, ready to be discipled. Fields are ready. Will you stop and pray? This is Jesus speaking to us. Will you stop and pray? Will you share with your neighbor? Will you invite that person to church? Will you skip that purchase and give it to those that are suffering in Haiti instead? Will you disciple that new believer? Will you get into regular fellowship, maybe with women's group or men's group or youth group? The teens aren't in here, but you can tell them later. 
Will you grow and mature? The Lord says, will you, will you seek these things? But our flesh is strong, isn't it? It, it wants salvation. Our flesh wants out. We want to know we've got, we got a home in heaven. A lot of people say, as long as it's a shack, I'm good. Right? You aim for a shack, you might not get anything. You know, but uh, the Lord says, come, take up your cross, follow me. Our flesh is strong. It wants salvation, it just doesn't want surrender, right? That's why Solomon says, uh, listen to these words. In, in verses 1 through 5, he says, keep, in verse 1. He says, treasure, in verse 1. He says, keep again, in verse 2. He says, bind and write, in verse 3. Bind uh, on your fingers, write them on the tablet of your heart. Why? Why is he using these strong words, keep, keep, bind, write? So you don't forget what really matters. So you don't forget what really, really matters. What is really true what will keep and protect our hearts. Verse 4, it says, Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call to understanding your nearest of kin. What in the world does that mean? Call wisdom your sister? Well, it's intended to, to portray that we need to foster, I mean, hopefully, you have a natural love for family members. I know that families end up having all kinds of schisms and some don't like each other, but God's intention is that there would be natural love, that blood is thicker than water. You would have a natural love and family. But you're supposed to foster a love for the wisdom of the Scriptures. You're supposed to foster a love for godly understanding. You foster God's priorities in your life. You think about God's priorities. You meditate on His priorities. And truth, you put a priority that, Lord, I want to walk in truth. Is this possible? Is it possible to really foster a love for truth? Is it really possible to actually go deeper in connecting with the very heart of God? Yes, it is. But there's only one way it's possible. There's only one way it's possible. And Jesus delivered it to us by the Holy Spirit. That's it. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, it's not possible. You could never treasure the commands of God. You could treasure them for a little while, but it would quickly fade. That's why many people, many people have walked altar calls. You know, you've heard me say, Billy Graham, you know, when they've asked him, did all those people that walked forward in the aisle get saved? He says, time will tell. If the Holy Spirit has come in, they will never, and I mean never, walk away from Christ. If the Holy Spirit didn't come in, and if you don't uh, believe that, you can read, um, let me read it for you. In John chapter, John chapter 2, uh, it says, Now when Jesus was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs which he did. Verse 24, But Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew it was in men. Whoa. Hold on. It says that they believed in the name of Jesus, but he didn't commit himself to them. They did not have saving faith. I don't know why they didn't, but the reality is Jesus can look at each person. So people can come forward for various reasons, but if they didn't really repent, then they didn't receive the Holy Spirit. But if you receive the Holy Spirit, it is possible to bind these things, to keep these things, not in your own strength. I can do all things what? Through Christ who strengthens me. We could never make ourselves love the Word of God. 
If you tell an unsaved person, just start loving God's word, they won't. Now, if they start reading, they get convicted, and they get saved, and the Holy Spirit comes in, everything changes. Everything changes at that point. The only thing that attracts us to the things of God is the Spirit of God in us, right? You have two magnets, right? They will connect. But if the other thing is not magnetic, there's not going to be any. You can, you can take the cotton ball all day long, and it's not going to stick to it, right? There's nothing in it to actually pull the attraction. So God, the very magnet on this end is God, and then God puts the same in us, and there have then you have the connection. That's it. If I did not have, I'm speaking of me personally, if I did not have the Spirit of God in me, I would have left the faith a long time ago. And I would have pursued the, own, the pursuits of my flesh, living the good life, and my own selfish ambition. I guarantee it. If I did not have the Holy Spirit, I would have left the faith a long time ago. By the way, I did not say that that means I would have stopped going to church. You can go to church, and I've already left the faith. Many people go to church, but have long left the faith. They still go to church. You see, our flesh would always, our flesh would always rather, and this is what Solomon is warning his son. doesn't matter if you grow up in a Christian home. doesn't matter if you grow up under great teaching. Our flesh would always rather pursue the forbidden, the futile, and the fleeting. You agree? I mean, our flesh. I'm not talking about what the Holy Spirit desires in us. We can know the Holy Spirit is the one speaking when we say, I don't want to go to church tonight. I just want to watch the voice. These shows do not attract me. For those of you that love them, they just don't me. I cannot watch Hollywooders just rave about the dumbest of things. But anyway, I digress for just a minute. For those of you that love those, it's not a sin. It's okay. My girls love music and stuff like that. I I just can't get into it. But that was a free rant for no reason. But, But the futile, we understand. The forbidden, Right? We know the things God says you can't do that. But then the futile, just kind of the, the things that just waste our time. And then the fleeting, just gone tomorrow. But our sin nature, even after salvation, it's attracted to the non eternal and it's attracted to the temporary. How do you think people in Us Magazine still are on the stands? Every week, there's another slew of meaningless, worthless stuff that people eat up. So the Spirit of God, it first saves us. It comes in to reside in us, and it puts us on the path to eternal life and our personal path, our personal path. So we have this path that we're on as as believers, but then there's our personal path in this world. That's our specific calling, your specific calling as a mom, as a dad, as a man, as a woman, in your workplace, whatever it is, your sphere of influence that God has given you, your home or workplace influence, your neighborhood, wherever it is, that's your path to walk on. But the same Spirit is constantly bidding us, reminding us, as he, Solomon does to his son here, to invest in spiritual things, to go deeper 
in our walk with the Lord, to treasure more the work of Christ, to get nearer to the cross. Is that a way we can understand it? To get nearer to the cross, because the cross hadn't taken place when, when this was written. But get nearer to the cross, nearer to the things of God. Your protection in this crazy world that's getting crazier is getting nearer to the cross. 1 Corinthians 14.1 says, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Are you, brother and sister, are you pursuing a deeper love for the Lord? Are you pursuing the work of the Holy Spirit? Are you pursuing a calling to a deeper love with God? Are you pursuing the gifts of the Spirit? Not that you would say, hey, look at these gifts I got. No, you would be able to use those gifts and be more used by God in your home, in the church, and beyond, wherever, wherever you may be. Those that are growing, those that are serving, and keeping Christ's commands. Here's the, here's the beautiful thing about when you're growing in the Lord, and you're keeping the commands of God, and you're walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, those people that are growing and serving Christ, they walk straight past the temptations. The flattery. You ever, you ever read, when you read about like Joseph and Daniel, and the apostle Peter after the resurrection, I mean, his shadow even was touching people. They're just blowing right past. It, they're not superhuman. They were just so saturated with the Holy Spirit. That Daniel's like, I don't care what God you tell me to bow down to. Ain't happening. Joseph, I don't care if Potiphar's wife's gorgeous. I'm not sinning against God like this. Right? No one was around. Because they had pressed in deeper and deeper and deeper. And they were able to walk past the flattery of the world. It said that, you know, it says in the book of Hebrews that Moses esteemed the riches of God greater than the riches of Egypt. You know, Moses could have been a wealthy prince of Egypt. But he said, not interested. The allure of pleasure wasn't as alluring to them because they had found a relationship with God that was better than anything the world could offer. Not just the temptations of lust and sexual temptations that Satan is using in this world. But as I mentioned, how you can look at this text, you know, that, that you can look at uh, all the different forms of lust that would attract us. But, but again, there's the seductive church that we see in the book of Revelation in Laodicea that had replaced commitment to Christ with a commitment to themselves, right? Just committed to me, right? It wasn't about Jesus anymore. It was all about what can we get? What can we set up as our own little earthly kingdom? That's a form of adultery and lust. Many Christians, they have no protection from verses 6 through 27. We'll, we'll get through some or maybe all of it, but I don't know. Uh, but verse 6 through 27, they have no protection from the things that you can see, as we'll see in these upcoming verses, because there's no commitment to Christ in their life. And they are ignoring and quenching the Holy Spirit, while pursuing other paths, which is really, really dangerous. 
more dangerous than we think when we pursue any other path other than the path that Jesus said, follow me. Any other path. So that is what God wants us to be, is on the path, right? On that path saying, Lord, I hear what you said. I know it's not easy, but you gave me your Holy Spirit. And because you gave me the Holy Spirit, you'll help me keep that which I've committed. I'm going to make some mistakes, but I'm going to stay the course. I'm going to stay faithful to you, not because I'm so faithful, but because your Holy Spirit in me is so faithful. On the path, well, then we see what starts to take place, which Solomon observes in verse 6, for at the window of my house I looked and threw my lattice. I saw among the simple, I perceived the youths, a young man devoid of understanding, passing along the street near her corner. He took the path to her house in the twilight in the evening and the black and dark night. So you have this kind of contrast. Solomon has given the wisdom to his own son, stay in the will of God and the protection of God and the word of God and the safety of God and you're not going to go astray. Next scene, Solomon looks out his window, and he sees another young man, perhaps similar age to his own son, and this guy is going down the wrong path. I know many of you, you know, you have maybe relatives you pray for. that You see them going down the wrong path, right? And you know, well, they're only 22. They think they've got the world by the string. And you know, that it will come crashing down on them, right? It may look like everything's going great now. Oh, we had so much fun last night. And someone bought all my drinks for me, right? Jackpot. We got in the clubs for free, right? Everything went great. Every girl there thought I was hot, right? I mean, that's reality, right? It's a lot of people think. They think that way. Many of you used to think that way. I hope none of you still think that way. But, but if you're not following Jesus on his path, any other path, any other path has the distinct possibility and probability of destroying us. Paul said of Demas, Demas for a while worked in the church. We don't know that he was any kind of Hated, but it was he was one of the laborers that Paul mentioned that was serving in the work of the gospel. Demas was working in the church, and yet Paul writes in Second and Second Timothy four ten, for Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. Demas went back to the world. He fell in love with the very things that Paul had said. Come on out of that stuff. Jesus had said it ultimately. Now, completely walking away from God doesn't typically happen overnight. It doesn't typically happen that someone is on fire for the Lord one day, and the next day they wake up and say, that's it. Never read my Bible again, never talking to another Christian, never praying again, never asking anyone to go to church again, none of that stuff. I'm done. Worshiping, like, you know, the next day, no interest. It doesn't typically happen overnight. And neither does a person ending up in adultery. It doesn't typically happen overnight. There's usually a slow deviation, right? In the Christian life, it's like, I used to read the Bible every day, but now it's about every third day. Now it's about once every two weeks. Now it's about once a month. And 
the steady progression of compromise. When it comes to immorality, there's this just a little bit of self-justification along the way. This will be all right. Everybody else thinks this way too, right? I worked for about 16 years in business, and I traveled all over the place. Got, I mean, I, L.A., New York, Miami, Chicago, did lots of trips with uh, different companies as well as our own company. And I heard my share of, by the way, in the news, locker room talk. Not that I wanted to hear it, but the way you work in the world, you get to hear locker room talk whether you want it or not. Because they think everyone else wants to hear this stuff. But I'd hear it at dinner meetings. By the way, dignified people have some really foul mouths, by the way. Uh, supposedly dignified people. I'd hear it at dinner meetings. I'd hear it at business functions. I'd hear it at team outings. I hear it all over the place, airports, you name it. Um, Monday mornings, that's a big one, right? How the whole weekend went. A lot of times it's just not locker room talk. A lot of times it's a plan of attack in the world. And other times it's not just a plan. It's like a book report of what did happen. So you get all of that. And by the way, I've heard it from men and women. Both. And I'm sure you have too. I'm not, you guys have been around. It's not always just talk. Again, these are things that people are doing, acting upon. You know the term, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas? It's not just for Vegas. It's for lots of other cities too, apparently. I saw plenty of times how the enemy has dulled the senses in people of what is right and what is wrong. And God makes it clear, but, but, but today we think right is wrong. We think right, I mean, wrong is right. Right is wrong. People's senses have been dulled. Uh, people justifying why it's okay to do what in their eyes is justifiable. And then you see this, the complete ignorance of the pain that will come if they continue to do the things they're doing. No, no thought of those things. Sadly, you, you see not only the emptiness of people, not only the betrayal of other people in their lives, not only the damage that will be done to them personally and others if they continue in things like pornography, flirting, just dropping hints. You ever see that? Which is in the flirting world, Right? Uh, Just going to the bar after work, right? But either these things are ignored or ignored and they knew them. Like they knew at one time, they knew that they shouldn't do these things, but now they ignore it. Or they completely forgot them. I don't know. You know, Samson, he was raised by godly parents. You know, Samson, the Bible, really strong, the Holy Spirit would come upon him rip a lion apart, carry the city gates, killed a thousand men with a jawbone of a donkey. Incredible. When the Holy Spirit came, he was raised by godly parents, wasn't he? He knew the commandments and warnings of God. He knew they were true, but at some point he stopped believing they were true, right? Eh, It applies to somebody else. Plus, I'm the strongest guy in the world. It certainly couldn't apply to me. 
And he started listening to his feelings. I feel attracted to the women of Philistine. Well, of course you do. Your flesh is always attracted to that which it shouldn't be, right? We don't listen to the flesh. We listen to the spirit. And Solomon notes here several things and the way this man is foolishly walking that are still true today. And I'm going to put them up on the screen in just a second. He notes these things. What he, what he observes here that maybe you didn't pick out, but hopefully you'll see them now. We look at them in verses 6 through 10, 6 through 9. These are the same steps of self-deception that are happening in 2016 that were happening a couple thousand years ago. Let's look at them. The path of self-deception. And again, this, uh, this is specifically speaking of sexual temptation, sexual lust, but it could apply to other forms of lust too. The first one, no spiritual understanding. He said, I looked out the window of my house. I saw the simple. I perceived among the youth a man vo- devoid of understanding. He had no understanding of truth that God had given. We have to teach our kids what the Bible says, that it is true, and that they keep that spiritual understanding wherever they go. Because mom and dad, you won't always be there to coach them out of something, right? They have to have spiritual understanding. But, you know, business person that's traveling, you're going to have spiritual understanding when your wife's not there or Conversely, you're in, working in the middle, you're a nurse at the hospital. You know, there's all kinds of things. There's always people out there looking to take you astray. You have spiritual understanding. You have to know what God says and believe it. And it actually guides our path, doesn't it? It guides our feet in the right way we should walk. No understanding. No understanding of the risks that are out there, just completely oblivious to the dangers. It would be like, again, that's why Paul tells us to put on the whole armor of God, right? You can't go out into the world without God's armor on. You may have the Holy Spirit, but you have the, we, why would Paul write to put on the whole armor of God? Why would he write that to Christians? If they have the Holy Spirit, they don't have to put any armor on, right? Hey, I got saved, I got the Holy Spirit, I don't have to do nothing. I kick back and God just coast me through life. No. We have to fight the good fight. We have to put on the helmet of salvation, even though we're already saved. We have to take up the shield of faith, right? We have to gird our waist with truth, because the world now thinks certain things are normal, and they should have always been normal. Just because they've lost their mind doesn't mean we should lose our minds, right? I haven't lost my mind. I found it when I found the mind of Christ. Amen? Amen. So we have spiritual understanding. Say, no, 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 that these new things that you think are normal are really destructive. And God has warned about these things long before. Spiritual understanding. This youth, this young man had no spiritual understanding. He had no armor, no protection. Number two, getting closer to temptation. Instead of so in spiritual understanding, you'll actually avoid temptation. I told you all I have to lower my sugar. I, I'm not diabetic, but the doctor told me, look, you got to lower your sugar. It's, you know, it's, it's runs high in your family. Just lower your sugar. It's not a good idea for me to put ice cream sandwiches in the, in the freezer. 
Because if they're there, I will justify why this one won't have much impact. But one leads to, you know, not the same night. But you know what I mean? I mean, you have to develop a pattern of saying, these things I got to stay away from. But this young man, instead of staying away, no, he goes, says, passing along the street near her corner. What in the world is he doing there? You know? Someone that, someone that has struggled in the past with pornography, you know, well, I'm not going to do that anymore, but I am going to go to this site or that site. You'll be right back in it. No time flat. Things that, um, that would tempt us, we stay away from. Someone got saved and they used to have a problem with alcohol. Right? That's it. They really, really, I mean, they were just alcoholic. No, they shouldn't say, you know what? I'm just going to have one a week. That's a recipe for disaster, right? Getting closer to temptation instead of actually avoiding it. Still happening. The third one. And he took the past to her house. Satan used this one all the time. Just go there once. And by the way, when you get there, if you change your mind, you can always leave. <laughs> once, once the enemy pulls someone in, they can't leave. That old Eagle song, Hotel California, you can check out. You can't leave. There's a, there's a bit of truth. Of course, there was a satanic element to hold that, that whole thing as well. And, and to some extent, they were right that people, once they actually kind of give in to their temptation and actually head in that direction, yeah, like over the cliff you're headed. In a barrel, like going over the Niagara Falls there. Go once and you, hey, you can turn back. Just go, just go meet her that one time. Just go meet him that one time. That one time is the start of disaster. So he goes down the path to her house. Verse 9, in the twilight, in the evening, the black and dark of night, there's another deception. Nobody will ever know about it. Nobody knows. I did it all on the internet. I set it all up this way. No one knows about it. Spouse doesn't know about it. Boss doesn't know about it. Kids don't know about it. No one knows about it. Guess what? God knows about it. And if he knows about it, he can blow the case wide open anytime he wants. No one knows about it. By the way, he thought no one knew about it. Unfortunately for him, because I believe that Solomon is telling a real thing that happened here, but he's using it. Unfortunately for him, the king of Israel saw it. Yikes. Right? Because it turns out this woman's a married woman. Solomon can have him put to death. That's pretty serious stuff, isn't it? People think that nobody sees. Right? It's getting more and more of the place in our society today. Not only what you say, you better really mean what you say and say what you mean. Be careful what you text and email, because someday it might come out. I'm not even joking about this stuff. The people hacking all kinds of stuff. I hope that what they get, if they ever get your and my stuff, is things that glorifies Jesus. How about that? Say, wow, I didn't know you thought that way. I didn't know you talked that way. You know? 
So these things, they may look like they're in the dark, but they can be exposed. Um, we're on time here. I may just take the rest of it since we're right about uh, 740. Uh, I've got two more things we want to look at in verses um, 11 through 27. But I'm going to stop right there. And uh, the next two things if, uh, that we'll be looking at, uh, just to kind of give you a preview, the next one's called Open to Anything. And it gets into, um, let's just read it. We'll read it, and then I, and I'll break it down when we get back together next Wednesday night. Let's read ahead. Take just a couple more minutes. I'll just kind of let you get a taste for what it is uh, that Solomon is warning. Look at verses, um, uh, starting verse 10, verses 10 through 20. And there a woman met him with the attire of a harlot and a crafty heart. She was loud and rebellious. Her feet would not stay at home. Again, this is a great picture of, of the false church as well. At times she was outside, at times in the open square, lurking at every corner. So she caught him and kissed him. With an impudent face, she said to him, I have peace offerings with me. Today I have paid my vows. So I came out to meet you diligently to seek your face, and I have found you. I have spread my bed with tapestry, covered, uh, colored coverings with, of Egyptian linen. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love until the morning. Let us delight ourselves with love, for my husband is not home. He has gone on a long journey. He has taken a bag of money with him. He will come home on the appointed day. Which, by the way, the husband going far away is also a good picture of Jesus, who's gone back. And when he comes back, if he finds an adulterous church, so you can kind of see that picture. Just while we're here, just this is actually bonus material, so we'll get to next week's uh, stuff. But, but again, that this text applies to that as well. That's a clear picture of the false church is alluring people to actually commit spiritual adultery where as the the bridegroom he's gone far away he is going to come back and he will not be happy to come back and see adultery and actually a church that um has compromised in this way but we want to look at uh we want to look at the uh practical contemporary things that uh that confront us in life and we'll look at those things next week with um, that section, and then we'll cover verses 21 through 27. But I'm going to stop there, and we'll do a part two uh, next Wednesday night. Let's close in prayer. Father, we uh, just we would ask, Lord, that um, you would draw us into that deeper walk with you. Lord, we all need more protection. You said uh, that we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, but even more so as the, your return is approaching because you said that as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man, that things will get more vile, more perverse, more violent, more deceptive. And Lord, no matter what the form of lust that the enemy uh, would tempt us with, whether it's a lust for money whether it is a sexual lust, whether it's uh, just to be popular, whether it's to be uh, liked by man, whatever it may be, Lord, we pray that your spirit would give us understanding, that we would have spiritual eyes, that the Holy Spirit would remind us, no, that's not for you. 
that, Lord, we would not go near temptation, but we would walk away from them, stay away from them. That, Lord, we would not take spiritual risks and chances and try something once. We would stay close to you. And, Lord, that um, through all of these things, Lord, that we would stay faithful to you. Lord, that's our desire, is to stay on the path that leads to righteousness, that you would enlarge that path under our feet, and, Lord, that you would keep us from slipping and falling. And, Lord, give us compassion for those that are on the wrong path, that are self-deceived, that are destroying their own lives or the lives of others. They may not know it. Lord, give us not only compassion, but, Lord, give us an open door to speak to them truth that they would hear and that they too would be saved and transformed. We ask these things in your name, Lord. We pray that you give everyone a safe trip home. Use us as your lights and witnesses throughout the rest of this week. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, as Scott mentioned, men tomorrow night, seven o'clock, well, 6.30 here. 6.30 uh, is the meal, and then 7 o'clock we'll get in the book of James. And then the ladies, a bunch of the ladies are going... Uh, up to Lynchburg on Saturday for an all-day ladies' conference. So looking forward to hearing how that goes. And then, uh, as was announced, uh, the camping thing is not just father-son, right? Because I don't have sons. Uh, so I am out if that's the case. Uh,